started last week, we're walking through the passion one more time. And you may remember last week I said, you know, it's kind of like a scar. I just pray it nicks something, you know, as you nick it like I do my chin shaving, that that uh, it just kind of brings up the raw emotion of actually what was happening. Last week we looked at Gethsemane. Today, even though it's Palm Sunday, we're going to go ahead and look at the cross today. We're looking at Golgotha. And then next week we're going to look at the garden. So Gethsemane to Golgotha and then, then to the garden tomb. But uh, today we're going to talk about um, the cross. And uh, we're going to be in John's Gospel in just a moment, John chapter 19. In fact, I'm going to have you looking, at, looking up several scriptures. So just find your way to there right now. But I want to kind of give you a, a story to kind of start you off, just a thought. In London, uh, there is an area called Charing Cross. There's actually a terminal there as well, a subway terminal. We've been through Charing Cross there in London. But uh, Charing Cross, let me give you a little bit of a background of where that came from so that you can hear it. They actually just call it the cross, but it's called Charing Cross. And what happened is, is that in uh, the King Edward I, who was also known as Longshanks for you, uh, for you uh, Braveheart people. Now I got you. Uh, all the guys just say, hey, he's not Braveheart. We're good. Uh, but in 1291, his wife Eleanor passed away. And uh, they were going to be transporting her body to London to eventually she would have her funeral in Westminster Abbey. And so what happened, what they did was, is they would, they would go so far and then for every place where they would spend the night for the entourage coming into town is that they would put up a cross. And so 13 crosses were eventually put up because it took them that long to get all the way into London. And the last cross is called Charing Cross. And that's where um, they finally came to, to London. Now, the interesting thing about Charing Cross, even today, it's considered the center point of London. Everything at one time was measured off of, off of Charing Cross. It would be like this. How far are you away from the cross? Or how close are you to the cross? If you can just get me to the cross, I can get there from the cross. So everything is measured in London from its center, which is the cross. Today, here's my prayer. You ready? How close are you to the cross? I'm talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. Is everything in your life measured from the cross or does your world just revolve around you? Today, I want to try to bring us back to the cross. How close are you to the cross? How far are you away from the cross? If you can get to the cross, can you get home from there? And we want to talk about the cross of Jesus Christ, what he went through. I'm not going to cover all of the physical uh, things that he went through, but I want to try to, for us to grasp what happened why it was necessary for the cross. And in John chapter 19, verse 28, I want to read just a couple of verses. And Obviously, if you have any, any inkling of what took place, Jesus had gone through um, being up all night. He had gone through some mock trials. The people who on Palm Sunday were yelling, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The next few days later, we're going to be yelling out, Crucify him. And so he went through an incredible flogging, and eventually they stretched him out on the beam, and they hung him on a cross. And it says in verse 28, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, but put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head 
and he gave up his spirit. Jesus gave up his spirit. Um, one, one writer that I was reading this week said that Jesus' blood was not spilt, it was shed. There's a difference. When your body, you're cut, you spill your blood, he shed his blood. He gave his blood. He gave himself up for us. I want you to turn with me to another passage of Scripture in Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians. So it would be over a few page, few pages there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I want to read to you verse 17 and 18 because Paul, everything Paul did revolved around the cross. And I want you to see this in Scripture. It says 1 Corinthians 1 verse 17 and 18. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And then look down into chapter 2, verse, uh, in chapter 2 there, verse 1. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest in human wisdom, but on God's power. So Paul is even saying, listen, I don't come to you as an eloquent teacher. I don't even come to you as a brilliant thinker, even though Paul was a brilliant thinker. I don't come to you in that kind of strength. I come to you simply to proclaim the gospel, which is this. Mankind is broken and sinful, and Jesus came on a cross. And through his life, he offers forgiveness. That was his message. And he hung everything on that message. And he would say to the wise, to the wise man, which would refer to the Greeks, this sounds like foolishness. To the Romans, it sounds like foolishness. It just sounds like a foolish thing. But to those that have had life transformation, it is life. And we know it. I know many of you in this room can say, man, I don't completely understand the cross, but I know that I have found forgiveness in life there. However, with the cross, there is an offense that people feel about the cross. I want you to look with me in Galatians. I just want to just go over a few more pages to Paul's letter to Galatians, chapter 5, verse 11. It's on the screen, so that'll, that'll help you. But it says this, Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. He says the offense of the cross. Now, what is offensive? I mean, we live in a day where jewelry has crosses, uh, shirts have crosses, you know, tattoos have crosses. and, And we think, what is the offense of the cross? We don't think about it that way. I mean, uh, uh, I was listening to one guy, and he said that he, he walked up to a lady, young lady that was a sales clerk, and she had a cross around her neck, and he said, are you a Christian? She said, what? Are you a Christian? Uh, no. Well, he said, you're wearing that cross. And I said, oh, doesn't it look nice? And he says, do you understand uh, what that symbolizes? She said, well, it's just a nice cross. I said, no. So what if I had, a, uh, I had my ears pierced, and he said, if one of my ears was a uh, a, a guillotine, what would you think about that? The other one was an electric chair. What would you think about that? She said, oh, that's just gross. That's terrible. So, well, that's the way the cross is. What we try to do is sanitize it and rationalize it instead of taking it for the offense that it does cause. And, 
And I want to talk about that a little bit this morning just to kind of get you to think about it with me one more time. A little background on the cross. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to share anything new with you at this particular point. The place where Jesus was crucified was an area called Golgotha or the place of the skull. They called it the place of the skull for one of two reasons. Either it was on a hill-type shape that resembled a, cro- a, a skull or it was an area where there was so much death and capital punishment that took place that they left the bodies there for the birds to pick. And this time, I don't want to be gross, but that there would actually be human skulls there. They, they battled over the two reasons. And if you go to Jerusalem today, it's hard to see all that because of the mass of humanity and the way the sprawl is of, of anything. You cannot know exactly where that was. However, we do know that it was outside the gate, is what it says, or beyond the walls. They would not crucify somebody within the city limits. And, and the Persians created crucifixion. They created it because they wanted to see the most suffering that they could give to a human body, but in such a way that it would not die quickly, and also so that it would be removed from the earth so it's not cursing the earth. Now, the Romans perfected this. They took it to a new level. And so when they were, when they were crucifying, which they would crucify quite often, and they would leave somebody hanging on there for days until they would eventually just, they couldn't lift themselves up to get air. They would literally drown. And, and what they would do is they would, they would lift that cross up and they would be there for days and they wouldn't want people to stare at this, to see the gruesomeness of it because it would remind them, you don't want to do what this person has done. And some of you remember in uh, Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, it actually gives reference there to a, a cursed is anyone who is hung upon a tree. And it's literally referring to a capital punishment such situation that this person is accursed. And we know that Jesus took on the curse uh, that was when he was on the cross. But it was an incredible humiliation, not just the physical torture that you were there, but there was an incredible humiliation because you're stripped down of your garments and then you're, you're bloodied and you're beaten and you're bruised and people are close to you. And the Scriptures allude to the fact that Jesus... People were close enough to spit on him or to, to pluck his beard. And, and it was just total humiliation that, he, that the individual would go through. And we know that Jesus was crucified with two others and, and that um, they were there on the cross as well. And there was a dialogue that took place. I want to get into that right now. But, but the cross was such, such a gruesomeness. And we have lost it. I know Chris kind of put a little bit of that video, but you've got to... You've got to even edit that a little bit when you think of the gruesomeness of what Jesus went through. Now, the question is, uh, you know, when we look at what Jesus, what made his crucifixion any different than anybody else's? But, you know, there was a strange element in Jesus' crucifixion. In fact, to the point of when it's finally over and Jesus dismisses his spirit, that one of the centurions there says, truly this was the Son of God. He saw something in those moments. And we look at some of that, and let me just say this. It was almost like Jesus went willingly, and he did go willingly. He went willingly to the cross. And, and we saw that darkness came upon all of the land, and, and the darkness was there. We see that Jesus would not take any of the numbing things, you know, the, the wine or any, any uh, the gall, they called it, that would numb the pain. He would not take that. And then he screamed out some of the most strange things on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he eventually said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
And then he said, I am thirsty. And he said, it is finished. I mean, it was like Jesus was there on the cross, but the nails weren't holding him there. In fact, D.A. Carson said this, it was not nails that held Jesus to that wretched cross. It was his unqualified resolution out of love for his father to do his father's will. And it was his love for sinners like me. He was nailed. There's no doubt about it. But it was his love for mankind that kept him on that cross. And what happened is, is with the darkness, what happens is, is that all of the sin of mankind for, for someone who is pure and spotless lamb, no guilt at all, all of a sudden all the guilt of mankind, all the wrath of God that was poured out upon sin was poured out upon him. And that's why the darkness came. That's why all of a sudden he feels alone for the first time to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he takes on all of that at the cross. And then what happens is, is Jesus dismisses his spirit. Death came but it only came when he said it was going to come. And that's what happened. But what was happening on the cross? I don't, I don't mean the physical torture, but I want to, I want to just quickly talk about what, what happened. I mean, wh- why, why was this important? Why did this need to happen? And, it, and it, a lot of it comes down to that last little phrase that Jesus used here. It's called, it is finished. Now, for us... Many of you grew up with Looney Tunes. Remember, that's all, folks. That, that's not what it means. It, it is finished has very deep definition. It was a Greek word called tetelestai, but, but it is finished could mean one of four things. And all of these refer to Jesus in, in the way it was. Here, number one was this. It means that the mission was fully completed. That's one. If, if somebody was given an assignment, a mission, and they were to go complete that mission, bombing raids or whatever it may have been. This is your mission to go and do that. When they would go do it, they would come back and say, did you complete the mission? And they would say, it is finished. It is accomplished. Well, Jesus came with a mission. In fact, in Hebrews 12:2, it says this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What happened was, is Jesus completed the mission. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, to defeat the works of the enemy. He is crucified. It is finished. He dismisses his spirit. It says that when he went back to his father's presence, he sat down. Now, why is sitting down a big deal? Some of you are doing yard work right now. You are out there working hard, or you work hard during the day, or you've gone to school or whatever. You finally get to come home. What do you do? Boom, you sit down because it is finished. Jesus sat down at the right hand of God and the Father, not from exhaustion, but because the mission had been fulfilled. Here's the second thing about it is finished. It meant the same thing that a, a high priest, in other words, a high priestly declaration. One time a year, the Jewish priest would go into the very Holy of Holies with the blood sacrificed to put on the uh, Ark of the Covenant, what's called the mercy seat, and uh, they would go, and they would do that, and then they would come back out. And when they would come back out, the, the people would say, did you make the sacrifice? And he said, it is finished. It has been finished. It's been completed. And that, that task of the priest was done. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ became sin on our behalf, and his blood was shed, and it was enough. There was no need for any other, any other sacrifices. This was it. Jesus was the mission completed. 
was the high priest. We were able to take the blood in. It is finished. Here's a third thing that, um, that it is finished means. It means paid in full. It means that if you had a debt and you had owed it, and maybe you could afford it, maybe you could not, maybe you made all of the payments, and then finally you made that last payment, you go in there and they stamp it, paid in full. No more debt. When Jesus went to the cross, you and I, hear me, you and I have a debt that we could not pay. You say, no, I'm not that bad. No, you're terrible. We all are deceitfully bad. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Why is that a free gift? Because Jesus paid it in full. He took it all. Quick question. How many of your sins were in the future when Christ was on the cross? All of them. None of you were alive. Some of you were close. But uh, you were not... You were not there. All of your sins were in the future. So what I'm saying is, is Jesus took it all. He paid it in full. Colossians 1.20 says, And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. And He canceled the written code. I mean, this, this is an incredible picture of Jesus paying the debt that you and I could not pay. One last thing that, that it is finished means, it means a turning point in history. The start of something new, a turning point in history. And um, the Bible says in Colossians 2.15, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And so doing that, what He did is, He did away with the old covenant, and from now on, there's a turn. It is finished means that error is no more. The new error is, is that through my blood, people find forgiveness and grace. You see how that it changed? All of that in three little words. It is finished. That's what was taking place at the cross. And, and I want you to hear this. If it was just a moral problem, Jesus could have come and taught morality. If it was just we don't know what to do, He could have come and enlightened us on what to do. If it was some other a bad glitch in our system that was there, some uh, thing that we did wrong. If maybe we weren't smart enough. Jesus could have come and just educated. You and I were bound for an endless hell if Jesus did not come. We needed a Savior. And that's why Jesus came. But why is it an offense? And this is just three quick points that I want you to hear. Because today... We go out here into anywhere and start talking about the cross, it's going to be offensive. Especially when you think Jesus went to that cross, it's going to be offensive. Let me give you three reasons. The first one is this, is that the cross tells you that you are guilty. You cannot look at what Jesus went through at the cross and you can, you can say, oh, that doesn't apply to me. Maybe you can say that, but I'm telling you, the line is drawn in the sand and you have to admit you're guilty. You have to admit, I am broken and I am deceitful. If he had to go through that, that means that I am wrong, that I have done something wrong, that I am fully exposed now here. The darkness and deception of my heart are made evident. And, and we are part of the crowd now saying, crucify me. And you've heard this many times, that if you were the only person on the face of the earth, because of your sinfulness, Jesus would have had to come and die for you. C.J. Mahaney said this, Unless you see yourself standing there with the shrieking crowd full of hostility and hatred for the holy and innocent Lamb of God, 
you don't really understand the nature and depths of your sin or the necessity of the cross. You were there. It wasn't the Jews that killed him. It wasn't the Romans who killed him. It was our sin that killed him. D.A. Carson, uh, excuse me, John Stott said this, before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. By us. The cross tells you that you are guilty. It was your sin that He went to the cross. It was my sin. I am broken. Jeremiah 17 tells me I am deceived. My heart is deceptive. And I look at Jesus on the cross. He had to do that. So hear me. When we lift up Jesus to mankind and say this is the only way, people are going to say, oh, you're so bigoted. You're so closed-minded. You're saying that's the only way. Yeah, I think there's other ways to heaven. Then why did Jesus go through that? If it was keeping a, a code of conduct, if it was doing something, a religion, then why did Jesus have to go through that? He went through that because we were guilty. And you can't help but face that. Here's another reason that the, the cross is offensive. The cross shows us that the cost of redemption is huge and bloody. It's huge and bloody. It's not some little just go to church. It's not some that I, I just say I'm sorry. I mean, there's got to be more to it. It's not just keeping this, this good morality. There's no simple fix for brokenness. It cost. It cost. C.S. Lewis said, it costs God nothing so far as we know to create nice things, but to convert, convert rebellious wills cost Him crucifixion. Because you see, the blood brings forgiveness, brings life, brings a clear conscience, brings right standing. The writer of the book of Hebrews said, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Listen, Mel Gibson's The Passion Anything like that cannot do justice to all of the blood and gore that Jesus had to go through. And you can't look at that and say, oh, that's not that big a deal. You know, I, I'm just so sorry. Listen, He paid it all. He gave everything in your place. Here's the third reason the cross is offensive. The cross calls you out. You cannot look at the cross and remain neutral. You cannot look at it and say, oh, wasn't that nice. I'm glad he did that for me. No, 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 no. No, it calls you out. You're called to action. You cannot just, call, you cannot just look upon the cross and say, oh, good, I'm not, I'm not going to hell someday. No, no, it's calling you out. In fact, Jesus himself said, you need to take up your cross daily and follow after me. They knew what that meant. It meant that they were laying down their life. They were going to take up their cross and they were going to follow after Jesus. You cannot remain neutral. If the, if the cross is true, then you're called out. You're called out. See, this offends our world. We, people, people don't want to, don't want to think about they got to change. They don't want to think that Jesus went through that for them. They don't want to think of the gruesomeness of the cross. They, they just want to think, ah, oh, wasn't that nice? That wasn't that big a deal. Let me, it was everything. Only Jesus could say, listen, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And that's through the cross. And you see, we can go out there and talk to people, and, and we can talk to them about, oh, you need to change your ways, or you need to do something differently, or you need to go to church. But I'm telling you, at some time, they're going to come face-to-face -face with the cross of Jesus Christ. 
In fact, what's interesting, I, I just was glancing over into Hebrews again, and let me just read this one passage. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for Him. I want to end this just by sharing a, a personal word. And uh, this is just something the Lord really just nudged my heart with yesterday. It became reality. And so I want to share it with you. This week, April the 4th, if you read the news at all and know what's going on, our world's pretty tense right now, right? You know, it's pretty tense. April the 4th, we were greeted with a chemical weapon bombing that took place in Syria. Tragic. If you saw any of the pictures, people foaming at the mouth. Some of you saw the picture of the the dad holding his twin boys and his wife had already died and these boys had died because this chemical explosion had come and killed 80 plus people and and the effects of it, it was just automatically, it's this poison that came into their system and you saw these pictures and you looked at them and you think, this is wrong, this is wrong. There is no way this should be happening. There's no way. Who has the who has a heart like that that they're willing to go and bomb innocent kids and and women and men and they're able to do that in the sickness of it? Look at the effects of that poison in their system and you look at it and there's a righteous anger that comes up inside of you. Enough so that the United States said enough is enough and took action because of the, what they experienced and what they saw. And and we see that happening. We think, yeah, man, that is just wrong. There's there's no way that should be going on. There should something needs to be done. Well, yesterday was here because we had a funeral here for an 18-year-old girl who was killed in a car accident a week ago. Room was full of of young people. And uh, as I was kind of ushering, and as people came in and visiting and everything. I started thinking about something. The Lord just started pricking my heart. As I looked at these teenagers, many of them had no clue about Christ. They probably hadn't been in a church forever. A lot of their lifestyles were very culturally relevant. And then I think about many of the children that we see that are facing certain things. And all of a sudden, it, it hit me. The Lord was like whispering to my heart, Mark, you know how that when we saw the effects of that poisoning on those people, how there was a righteous anger, not towards them, but it was just, this is wrong. And we look in our culture today, and we see children and students being poisoned by the media, by culture, by the things they're getting hit with. They're being drugged on on the stuff, and we're just seeing young people commit suicide. We're seeing hopelessness. We're seeing the love of pleasure rather than the love for God. We're seeing the rebellion that comes. And we look at that, and we just turn a blind eye. We don't seem to see it. We see the effects of a chemical explosion. But can we not see the poison in our own society? Can we not see the deception in the heart? Can we not see that the cross is the only answer? You cannot just try to conduct and clean up and say, oh, woe is me. We need to do something. No, we've got to lift up the cross of Jesus Christ. It is the only hope. Do we do that to condemn? No. Jesus never condemned. He gave His life willingly because He loved mankind. 
And we as his followers must follow in that same suit. We must take up our cross. We must love a generation that is getting poisoned. When are we going to do that? What is it going to take? God, how can we reestablish and relift up the cross of Jesus Christ that people may see the love of God displayed? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Here's the question. How close are you to the cross today? How close are you? I mean, is it just something, oh, yeah, Mark, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's, no, 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 no. Does it not, does it not grab, uh, uh, grab your heart and does it not create some kind of emotional stir in you? It doesn't mean just to think that my, my deceitful brokenness is the reason Christ had to go to that cross. And I can't be flipping about it. I think that's my prayer this week as we enter Holy Week is, God, let us have the guts to look within ourselves and are we willing to take up our own cross? I want you to bow your head with me just a moment. Here's what's going to happen. I don't, you know, I said that every sin we ever committed was in the future, even the ones that you haven't committed yet. But I think there is a call, as we look at the cross, a call to repentance. There's a call to holiness. There's a call to uh, loving others and being grace dispensers. Sometimes there's just a call to come before the Lord and say, God, this is keeping me from you today. This is keeping me from being close to you today. I just want to lay it down. I just want to lay it down.